All right, well, welcome everyone. Good morning. Um, so uh, hopefully you are inspired now for baptisms uh, through, the, through that clip. And, uh, but yeah, it's great to be with you. My name is Ryan. I am uh, one of the pastors, have the privilege of serving one of the pastors here on staff and I uh, love this church. And so if you are a guest with us here today, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we, we believe this is a great community to be a part of. And uh, we would love to get to know you a little bit more. And there's a couple ways you can let us know you're here. One is uh, the easiest is you can scan that QR code that's on the screen or in the seat in front of you, there's a QR code. It'll take you to a digital uh, connect card. And a uh, digital connect card, you can let us know the best way to communicate with you. Give us your name and, and your preferred uh, form of communication. As well as, if you're a regular here, you can use that connect card at any time uh, to, uh, to share prayer requests or whatever you want to share with us. It will also take you to that. Um, and so we, we want you to let you know. Now, the next probably even better way if you're a guest if you um, are here with us today and want to give us just two minutes of your time at the end of the service we have a connections table in the back they would love to meet you face to face they have a little gift card for you just to say thank you for checking out our community and uh, they'll they're the best way to kind of get to know other ways uh, to connect here um, at Seacoast, we exist to help people discover life in Christ. That's why we do what we do. And we believe that's not just for those of you making a decision for the first time in your life to follow Jesus. It's for wherever you're at in your journey. If you've been walking with Christ for 50 years, we believe that discovering life in Jesus happens throughout uh, your journey. And so we want to be a church that helps connect each other on that discipleship path. You might be leading others. You might be growing on your own. All of that's uh, part of it. So that's why we just highly value connecting that way. Uh, one other thing I want to just turn your attention to is what we do here as a church. We do it uh, by, with the generous donations of the people who call Seacoast their own. And there's a couple ways that you can give. We just want to remind you of that. Uh, we do have physical uh, donation boxes in the back in which you can uh, do, uh, physically give. Uh, most of us are digital givers these days, and so you can always do that. Respond.church is a one way, or just text that, uh, that to that number right there, and it will set up and make a very easy way uh, for you to be able to uh, participate in the ministries here at Seacoast. And we are so grateful to be a part of such a generous church, and so we want to thank you for that. Um, we are going to uh, transition here, and I want to pray over our offering, and also uh, we have uh, 30 of our 5th and 6th graders along with their uh, leaders, there's a group of 30 who are up camping this weekend, probably packing up, getting ready to come home right now, so we also want to pray for them, and knowing that that's a big group uh, in our kids' ministry who's just enjoying the weekend, and uh, we want to especially pray for the leaders as they come home, that they, you know, recover quickly. So uh, would you join me as we pray uh, over the offering as well as uh, for our fifth and sixth grade ministry? God, we thank you so much uh, just for your generosity to us. Uh, we thank you that you are good in so many ways. And Lord, I pray now that you would take uh, the gifts given by people at Seacoast, some feel maybe to, to us, sometimes we feel like it's not enough, or some, we know it's a big gift, it's a sacrificial gift, whatever it is, Lord, the bottom line is, it's not the amount, you love the cheerful giver, and we know that all things are in your hands, so would you take what we uh, contribute and multiply it, Lord, for your kingdom, that more and more people may discover life in Jesus, and help us as a church to be good stewards of all this generosity, and Lord, may you multiply the work being done here in Encinitas and to the ends of the earth. And we do pray for our fifth and sixth graders and the leaders, uh, the 30 of them who are away this weekend, that as they come back, Lord, would you give them safe travels? We pray that you would give great rest and protect them from all the sicknesses that can happen, from rooming together and all of that. And Lord, most importantly, May you just uh, take all of those things that those fifth and sixth graders as they're connecting with you this weekend through worship, through teaching. Lord, as they make decisions and, and excitement to follow you, would you just take that excitement, Lord, and, and, and let it come down the mountain and affect them as, for the rest of their lives, Lord. So we pray that they connect with you and you, they remember you this weekend. So thank you for that time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, I want to um, invite up Greg and Kim Verbeth. So one of the things uh, that we do, with speaking of generosity, is uh, as our church, we support a number of missionaries around the world. And about 15% of the budget of the offering that is received is designated to go outside our walls. Uh, local outreach projects, um, and uh, regional and global. And uh, Greg and Kim have, are part of our global team uh, of global missionaries. And uh, so we, they are getting ready for another assignment. Well, they always have assignment, but they're heading out again for a while. And we want to just get an update, hear about what uh, your mission is, what you uh, primary, primarily do. Second service, I'm already losing my words. So it's, and uh, just give us a little update on what you're for sure. Uh, yeah, first and foremost, uh, both Kim and I want to thank you for your investment in our ministry. Um, and you probably think, how do we do this? And it's just by giving to, you know, Seacoast Church here. And, uh, and plus, many of you support us personally. But it's just that trickle down. It goes through the kids' ministries. It goes through the missionaries. And all of this is to help expand God's kingdom for his glory. So I want to thank you. Uh, what we do, I'm the vice president of our organization. Um, Kim and I oversee a number of missionaries throughout the world. Uh, part of that is visiting them, uh, going to them on site and seeing what they're doing, encouraging them, praying with them, and so forth. And uh, another part of that is we've been involved uh, most of our married life, 34 years in ministry. We have lived overseas, and we lived in Budapest, Hungary, um, Den Haag, Holland, and uh, throughout France, many cities in France. And part of that effort has been through working with international uh, churches there. Kim, you want to tell us a little bit about just those international churches and the work that uh, you've been a part of with that? Yeah, our heartbeat really um, with international churches started in Budapest uh, through a women's ministry that we had. And we just noticed that um, expats in um, these large European cities they just connect really quickly. They're looking for safe community. Um, so that's been something that we've seen God use us in wherever city, whatever city we've been in, is just through community in the expat. Uh, English is just that la language that brings people together and uh, it allows us to share Christ uh, throughout Europe with just one language, so yeah. That's, that's great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, so some of us, um, as we think of the global church, we think of missionaries. Often we don't think, oh, send someone to Europe, yeah. right? But um, it's been really exciting to hear how the church is really growing and, and there's a revival in some areas of Europe that's happening. And a lot of the work happens through the international church. And tell us a little bit about just why, why should we be investing in that part of the world? Yeah, yeah. You know, not just uh, through international students, but through expats um, who are working with large corporations that come over, but also through refugees that are coming in uh, throughout Europe. And uh, a lot of them, most of them speak English as a second language and not French or German, whatever the first language that is within that country. And so they search out a safe community and what we've done in Grenoble, Lyon, St. Paul de Vence, Nice, and Monaco, these churches, is that we've created safe communities for them to come into, and it gives us the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And one advantage is American English, you would think, you know. Most of the people want to speak and learn American English, not UK or Australian. So when they know that you're from the States, they want to be with you and practice their English their American English with you. So it's been, it's been, a, it's a great opportunity. They're in transition. They're looking for, uh, you know, friends. And so they gravitate towards you. And so it's a great opportunity to speak into their lives. That's amazing. I love that. I, I just love how, uh, just to hear that uh, when we think of the cathedrals and all these things uh, built in Europe, and sometimes you hear, oh, it's no longer a Christian, you know, there's no Christians there, but uh, it's such an opportunity to see uh, how God's moving in new ways. It's great. Why don't you tell us about uh, what's coming up on the horizon uh, for you? Yeah, one thing I forgot to, within your question, yeah. you asked about the, the church, the Christian church in France, Germany, uh, within the language of that country, they are growing. 
In fact, you know, we've had missionaries come over and trying to work with them, and they say, we don't need help anymore because of the 20, 30, 40, 50 years that, mer that missionaries have poured into their lives in those areas. Now there are seminaries there where they're raising up young pastors who are now, you know, starting these Christian Protestant churches there. So it's been a real blessing to see that. And Kim and I will be leaving on the 6th to go back to the south of France where there's uh, three churches that are in need of pastors there. St. Paul de Vence is one, Nice, and then Monaco. And so we've been going back and forth helping them. There are two pastors. One that you may remember, Vlad and Ines. Some of you may have met them when we were here. They were helping us when we lived in Lyon. And now they are in the mission field. And uh, you want to speak, Kim? I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you see that? No, Kim. No, I got the microphone. I got the power here. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I just wanted to just quickly, for some of you that do know Vlad and Ines. And they're uh, kind of an example of being a part of the international English-speaking church, we met them there. We were able to disciple them, get them involved, and now they're on the mission field. Um, and, be, and they're actually one of the pastors of those three churches, so it's kind of a sweet story for, you know, just that, the fruit of the ministry through the years. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. That's great. And so when we're <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a microphone. <laughs> when we're there also, we're going to be uh, visiting our missionaries in Iraq, uh, Latvia, and then Spain. So uh, you can pray for us as we travel also. We definitely want to do that. So I'm going to invite up uh, anyone on our, some of our elders who are in the room now, as well as if you're on the global outreach team, come on up. And we're going to just pray over Greg and Kim as they, as they head out and um, just kind of recommissioning them. Come on up. And, uh, yeah. Great. So join me in, in unison as we, as we pray. God, we thank you so much uh, for the Verbaths. We thank you for their heart, uh, for you, for their willingness to respond to a call uh, and, and to go to places that are unknown and uncomfortable, but, Lord, to follow your call there. We ask as they go, Lord, would you, uh, we do want protection. We want safety. And, Lord, I pray that through your spirit working in them, God, that you would uh, allow them to see many more discover life in you. And uh, people who are coming from all over the world, some unreached people groups who will be attending their churches, people who have never heard about you. Lord, may uh, they discover life in Jesus through their ministry. So we thank you for them. We pray for blessing. We pray for wisdom. And God, I pray for those, uh, those trips to places that are a little uh, less secure and less safe. Uh, thinking of the trip to Iraq and places like that. God, we do ask an extra measure of your grace um, over those uh, travels and just your mercies every day. So we thank you for them, uh, and we send them now in, in your name. Amen. All right, let's give them a hand and thank them for their service. Well, we're going to transition to our time of uh, teaching, and uh, for our scripture readings, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of John chapter 14, as we'll be reading out of today from our scripture reading, and our scripture reading today will be done uh, via video, so uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you can, we'll have it on the screen for you. This is in the New Living Translation on the screen. Uh, follow along in the version that you prefer, and uh, so let's turn our attention to God's Word. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Here we go, upside down king. Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you this morning as we open God's word together. And as you heard here, we are in a section in which Jesus is addressing his disciples. And Ryan began uh, this long, a long section in the Gospel of John. If you've been with us for the last, well, several months, actually, we've been walking, working our way through the Gospel of John, and uh, we are anticipating being done with the Gospel of John, or at least John 20 and the resurrection on Easter Sunday. So we're excited about kind of moving forward and continuing this journey in here. But we're in a section in John's gospel that is a really interesting and intimate one. Ryan began that conversation this last week in something that some of you may be familiar with. Uh, it's called the upper room, oftentimes called the upper room discourse. And the upper room is the room where Jesus has gathered his disciples, the 12 disciples, for kind of some final words or some final instructions um, to them before the events that lead to his crucifixion and his resurrection occur. So in other words, we are in the last days of Jesus' life. That's kind of a weighty thing to even think about, isn't it, right? That if you could know by God's grace the last days of your life, they would be fairly packed and important, right? And so Jesus is in that, and he's gathered his 12 together. And in gathering his 12 together, he begins this section that we're in right now with, the under, uh, with an understanding of, well, trouble. That the, the way, in fact, that, that this conversation begins is that, that their hearts are troubled. And Jesus begins to address their trouble. In fact, the whole section that we are going to look, in, look at actually is bracketed by Jesus addressing trouble. I think we might have a slide for, for that right there, where Jesus says, says these things. He asked this question in this whole section, who do you trust when there's trouble? Because trouble is coming. Trouble is there. Trouble is coming in their direction. Trouble is actually coming in Jesus's direction. And just to show that the, that the, the passage, this whole section is bracketed by this trouble. I, I think we have a slide here as well that, that gives the first verse of this section in John chapter 14 and the last verse in chapter, in chapter 16 and everything kind of in between. But Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he said, as he closes out this section before in John chapter 17, he prays in what is called the high priestly prayer. I have said these things to you, Jesus says, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribula tribulation or trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he begins by saying, I understand, disciples, that your hearts are troubled. We're going to talk about why their hearts were, are troubled. And he says at the back end of the section, then and oh by the way trouble and tribulation you don't need to fear that because I have actually and am going to conquer it okay that's an amazing statement so we want to look at just a little bit of why it is that trouble is on their horizon we're going to look a little bit at how trouble is on Jesus's horizon and what he's going to do about that in here as well so let's start let's start with there start with that Jesus is Jesus addresses their trouble and as we mentioned Ryan began this section actually in chapter 13 this last week and the trouble that is coming the disciples' way has already begun. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, in the previous section, as Ryan walked through this last week, trouble, their trouble begins with being in this incredibly intimate 
excuse me, gathering of these 12 men that have followed Jesus for three-ish years. They're the ones that he has cultivated, that he has poured his life into, that he is commissioning to accomplish his work in his absence when he dies and rises from the grave. Okay, great. Now, why is that trouble? Well, one of them is going to, and actually in John chapter 13, does betray Jesus. Okay, so let's rewind that here for a second, okay, and just kind of imagine that we're in that group of people. You get 12 people. You get 12 people that are being poured into by Jesus. You're being trained by him directly for a mission. You have engaged in that mission in all kinds of different ways over the course of three years. And in that, you have become a community, right? Like you have become, I don't want to aggrandize it here, but you've kind of become spiritual warriors that you have galvanized together, that you've seen some stuff, that you've seen some stuff that you couldn't do but only Jesus could do. And you've seen the miracles and you've walked with him and you've learned from him and you've had him kind of turn your world right side up by turning it upside down and all of that has happened and then Jesus announces and oh by the way one of you that have walked through all of that together with me they're, you're, he's going to betray you and it's so discombobulating it's so disconcerting it's so disorienting that they look around and they say who because it's not transparent at all which one it is you don't even have a suspicion no one says oh i know it's him oh i've been watching him oh he's been doing that no one says that they just look at jesus in fact they look at one of his disciples and they say ask him ask jesus we don't know who this is because <laughs> everybody looks the same and jesus says one of you is going to betray me and it's going to happen right now and then he says to that individual what you do do quickly and that individual leaves and this company that you've been a part of is now something else so can you feel the quicksand maybe you've been in one of those circumstances where you were the one who was betrayed you had a community, a company, something that you thought was a tight-knit group of people that you were walking through, soldiering through life together. It's like, hey, we are impenetrable. We are a tribe. We are going to walk this out or whatever. And then someone undermines it and betrays and does something, and you feel all the shakiness of that. Because you feel in that moment, oh, my gosh, I was deceived, and I'm the emperor with no clothes. I'm like, what happened here? Okay? But it's not just that. Jesus says, okay, so I'm going to leave, and where I am going, he says in John 13, this is all ramp up, by the way, where I am going, you can't come. Peter says, okay, I've had, I've had enough of this. Kind of a typical Peter response. I've had enough of this. I need to clear the decks, clear the pipes a little bit too here. Jesus, I'm not totally sure what all the rest of the knuckleheads are going to do. That's in the Greek translation. But anyway, I'm not sure what, what is going to happen right here. But I will die for you. I'm in. I'm going the whole way. I know someone, I don't exactly know how it's... Anyway, I realize that I'm all disoriented, but I'm going to reorient right here, and I'm going to die if that's what it takes. Jesus looks him in the eye and says, Peter, you're going to deny you even know me three times. Three times. Not once. Not twice. But three times you will claim that you have nev we've never met. Wait a second. <laughs> We, always, we already got one guy who's out, who's betraying. And this is Jesus' words, not ours. So we're already shaky enough, right? And then in that shakiness, we see the guy who's the alpha, or at least has the mouth of an alpha, <laughs> right? 
who's going to make sure that I'm going to clear the decks, I'm going to recalibrate, I'm going to reorient, I'm going to set this thing straight, that's enough of this, whatever it is that's going on here, I'm all in, I'm going to die for you. Peter, you cannot handle the crushing pressure that is coming your way, and by extension, no, nobody else can. But I mentioned that this conversation that we are in in John chapter 14 begins with trouble. Their hearts are troubled. They are troubled by betrayal from within their midst. They are troubled by this anticipation that Jesus is going to leave. And they are troubled by the strongest or at least the mouthiest of all of them who has declared his allegiance and that he is all in will buckle in the pressure. Not once, but three their hearts are troubled. And so Jesus begins and ends this majestic section in this upper room discourse in John chapter 14 through 16, addressing their trouble. But they're troubled. Now, again, if you have felt the weight of being in trouble, if you have, you have felt the anticipation of trouble, if you feel, if, if you feel felt the adrenaline rush of the anticipation of trouble, if you have longed to bring trouble to your kids when they, okay, that's a separate conversation, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, but trouble is on their horizon. And in such a Jesus-like way, Jesus, who is walking out his own trouble, suspends and does not project onto them his trouble, but welcomes and addresses and ministers to them in theirs. Well, what do you mean Jesus' trouble? Well, what are you talking about? Well, in, in the Gospel of John, we've already read in the previous three chapters that Jesus is troubled. What? Yeah, Jesus is troubled. In fact, here are the three references, I think, that we had. Jesus is troubled. Same word, by the way. That Jesus is troubled. He, he's troubled in, in, in John chapter 13, just the chapter we've been talking about, or the section we've been talking about, where, by Jesus' betrayal. Now I'm troubled. Again, same, same word, right? He, he's troubled in, in John 12 that his hour had come. This has been a long conversation in John's gospel. It begins with his first miracle where Jesus says to, a mom, to his mom, I, I can't go public here. My hour's not yet come. And over and over and over again, this occurs. But now the hour has come. What is that hour? That hour for Jesus to be glorified by dying on a cross and rising from the grave. And Jesus anticipates what is going to happen to him on the cross and the fullness and the magnitude of that. And so he is troubled by that. And then we go backwards, we work our way backwards to John chapter 11, and he's troubled by the wailing that occurs as he comes to Lazarus's grave or to Lazarus's family, actually, at this point, um, by the wailing that is going on over Lazarus's death. And that's been a head scratcher for for scholars and commentators for a long long time because it's it's also uh, bundled if you will with a word with these words where jesus he snorts in anger it's like it's the word that is used of a horse snorting so jesus somehow comes on this scene and he's angry and he's troubled and then he weeps now that's a lot of trouble right? Jesus is troubled. And so what we have here is this scene in which Jesus is going to address the trouble of his disciples, which of course pales in comparison, even while he is in the midst of trouble, because he's going to take on the trouble of the world and overcome it. He's going to conquer it. It will lose its sting. Ultimately, the trouble of death will lose its sting. So here's Jesus coming to and comforting his disciples. And can we just pause here for a second? 
to make sure that we don't blow through something that is so incredible. In the middle of Jesus experiencing trouble, he comforts his disciples in their trouble. He suspends, he cares, he comes alongside, he engages, he is with, and he is for in the midst of all of that. It's so astonishingly loving, caring to suspend what's going on with you to love someone in their moment, if you will. So with all of that, that's all kind of ramp up, if you will, for the fact that trouble is occurring. And Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled in John chapter 14, verse 1. And the tribulation stuff that will come because you are in the world, I'm going to overcome that. I'm going to conquer that. That will not be the ultimate determiner of that. And everything in between, I'm going to walk with you in and through. So that's kind of what begins this long section, and we get introduced to this section as well. And this is kind of the big idea of what it is that we're going to talk about in these two sections. We're just going to walk through it and we're going to connect with our real lives. Jesus is the security, he says, of our future and the sustenance of our present. That's what he's going to t- say. You're, 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 trouble. you're in trouble. I get it. You're in trouble. You're disoriented. Betrayal. Peter's going to bail. I get it. Trouble is right on your front horizon. I'm actually experiencing it as well, but I want you to prom- I will promise you something. I am the security of your future, and I am the sustenance of your present. Okay? That extends not just to them, of course, but the rest of us as well. How, how do we develop this? Let's look at just this, this first section here. Jesus is the security of our future. And let's just develop this here for a second. J- Jesus begins, as, as we've said in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1, with not, their hearts not being troubled, but believe in God and believe also in me. And then he says, my, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have... I, excuse me. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Well, no, of course not. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way where I'm going. I want to just pause there for a second, okay? Jesus says, okay, so the future I'm going to secure for you. I'm going to secure because I'm going to depart and your hearts are sad about that, but I'm going to depart to be with the Father. And when I am in the presence of the Father, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you will one day fully and finally be home. Home. Some of you have have heard this verse or heard this allusion before, um, and maybe from the King James Version, where it says, in my Father's house are many mansions, um, which actually is a, Okay, I'm going to go Bible geeky on here, here with you for a second. But mansions is a Latin loan word from the Vulgate, and so it's, it's, it's just borrowed into the King James versions. And it means actually even in Latin for all of you Latin people in there too. It means kind of something similar to this. It's more like a room than it is a mansion. So some of you thought that you were going to be on Broadway here a little bit, maybe just a little bit different here. It's really not the point. It's the the extravagance of the house that we're going to get someday and the presence of God Almighty and that we get to live in and with him. In his house are many rooms and one of them will be for you and for the people that are around you and for all the people over all ages who have ever believed in Jesus. And somehow in that glorious and incredible dwelling place, Jesus says, okay, I want to make sure that you know something because your hearts are troubled. I'm going on ahead of you and your place is secure. I'm going to do it. I'll already be there. And in a, way, in a way that's hard to imagine, I will welcome you in that moment home. And for all the, the depth and all the moving pictures and all the romance of home, you will experience home in a way that you've only dreamt of. 
I will be there, and I will welcome you there. Jesus goes to, to secure our future. Now, in the midst of all of that trouble, right, Jesus goes to, to secure that, that future. And, and so the disciples are still scratching their head. They're still trying to put this together. It's enormously difficult to put them together. I'm so glad, by the way, that my life and my questions are not in the Bible. Are you? Yeah. That's kind of funnier than it, maybe, maybe not or whatever, too. But it's like, I am so glad that my conversations, because I would have had all kinds of different questions here, but, but their questions right, right here come, because Thomas said to him, okay, Jesus, you said, you know where I'm going, and he said, okay, I, you know, I just, I just got to ask it. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How in the world can we know the way? Well, they kind of do and they kind of don't here. But Jesus said to him these famous words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, sometimes I think we just, it, it helps me to pause and to say, what other things could Jesus have said in response to that? Because sometimes those kind of reveal maybe my heart or, or maybe just my worldview or some, some challenges that I have. So, so for example, uh, you, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? What Jesus does not say is conspicuous to me. So, for example, he doesn't say, well, if you follow this moral code enough, right? If you achieve this kind of status spiritually, if you perform these kinds of religious activities enough, if you do these kinds of deeds enough, if you cross a threshold or, or, or you somehow spin out of the endless cycles of karma and into whatever, then somehow you will get there. It doesn't say any of that. He says the way is a person. It's a person. It's a relationship. It's believing in me that I will get you home. And so what Jesus offers here in, in this securing our future is this place where, where, where we don't somehow perform in order to get in and achieve in order to merit we believe in a person that in these disciples case in particular is literally eyeball to eyeball with them I 11 am the way and the truth and the life and so you come to the Father through what I'm going to do for you. That's what we are in, in invited into in that, that aspect of Jesus securing our future is that Jesus secures our future because he is that, that person. And, and, and so in that securing of our future, we just begin in the midst of trouble to have that confidence from coming that comes from knowing that the future is actually Secure. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't want to drop down too far here, but that's almost for many of us a hard way to live. We're insecure about so much of the future that sometimes we almost feel paralyzed by it, don't we? Just think about the way you think about money. You can be paralyzed by the future just thinking about money, right? Like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Now, some of you are like, no, nah, I, I, I know exactly how I'm going I'm to do this. But it's just, just money. Think about your family. Uh, think about the, the sleeplessness that occurs when you think about any version of your family, right? Sideways, AWOL, in trouble, don't really know, someone's just teetering on the I mean, just trouble right and Jesus says I'm going to secure 
your future. Now that he's also going to sustain us in the present, and we want to hit this, and then we want to come back around a little bit and talk about how this connects with our life in there as well. To the disciples, he's going to say, okay, I'm going to sustain you in, this, in the future. And so he continues on in verse 8 when he says to Philip, <coughs> or Philip asks him, okay, Lord, okay, I, I think, Jesus, I think I'm getting it, but he, here's the thing. Here's the thing that would really put me over the edge. If you just show us the Father. I, I know this faith thing is like really important to you, and I get it, believe, trust. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's really good or whatever. But I could use a little sight right now. Could you just throw me a little sight? Just one time. Throw us a bone here lord i know you're going to secure a room it's probably going to be really great and later on they're going to call it a mansion i don't really care about that but i just want like help help me out here and jesus's response then is have you been with me so long <clears throat> and still don't know me philip whoever has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I say, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father's in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus says, okay, so, so let's just kind of get, Philip, let me just recalibrate this for you here for a second. I am the answer to the question, what is God like? How would he relate to people? Not as a concept, not as distant, not as transcendent, but imminent, close, on the ground, right now, shoe leather eyeball to eyeball, touching people, caring about people, answering people's questions, moving in their life. I am the answer to that, and it's the Father in me through me that is doing that. So Phil, just think about the people that I've interacted with, because in all of those circumstances, I am the answer to the question, how does God relate to human beings? And it relates to human beings like I did the wedding feast of Cana, where I made the water into wine, or when I talked to Nicodemus at night, or when I talked to that Samaritan woman at the well, or, or, or when I, I healed a man at that pool of Bethesda, or, or, or when I turn, turned a boy's lunch into, oh, I fed 5,000 people, and when I, when I interacted with that man who was blind from birth, where people said, no one, and when I raised Lazarus from the dead, I said, come out! the answer to the question what is God like and so in that recalibrating I am the sustenance for your present because over and over and over again you've seen the way that God Almighty relates to human beings in their real life and then he adds this in verses 12 through 14 truly truly I say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Do you see the sustenance of our present in that? Do you see how Jesus invites us in? <laughs> I, I, I just, I've never gotten over this that God invites flawed and frail human beings to participate in what he's doing in human history. It's so inefficient. Can I say that out loud? At least by my own life, there's a lot better ways, right? And somehow God in his mercy and his majesty is so powerful and so gracious as to move through people to accomplish his mission in the world. As we hear about Greg and Kim and we hear, we hear, and of course, through you as well. And so as we walk in those things, Jesus says, okay, and so in that incredible journey, I'm going to invite you to believe in me. Well, he's already said that, right? 
Believe in God, believe also in me. And I'm going to invite you to believe in me by bringing your real life, your daily life, your present life to me all the time. All, all the time. Never end. The New Testament writers pick this up. Paul says, pray without ceasing. He says, in everything, give thanks. And he says, be anxious for nothing. But in prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God will pass. And on and on and on. So in other words, this was something that everybody saw. Oh, my gosh. What Jesus is saying is talk to him about everything, especially. Maybe I shouldn't say especially. Talk to him about everything, including the times of trouble. When you're discombobulated, when you're disoriented, when you're not sure if up is down and down is up, when you've been betrayed, when you feel the frailty of even making promises that you can't keep, and all of that, Jesus invites us in because he is not just the one who secures our future to get us home. He's the one who sustains us in our present. Debbie and I have some, <laughs> some friends that um, um, invited us to join them for uh, 4th of July years ago. Gosh, a long time ago. Our kids, we were just talking about it in between services. Our kids are little. And, uh, and they, th th someone in their family, gr a grandparent, I believe, had a place in a really kind of unbelievable neighborhood in Orange, coastal Orange County. And it was... Um, it was a gated community, and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not even going to like name drop of the celebrities that had homes there. Of course, you know, it's one of however many homes celebrities have, right, in, in there as well. But like, it, it's a rich and famous ville. And, and they were grandkids of the original owner, and it probably wasn't that place when the original owner, right, the grandparents lived there. So it's a gated community, and so they give us, you know, you, you have to go and you have to drop you have to give your name. There's no code. It's like there's there's no code in a place like this. You give the name. And so when we get there, you know, I'm I'm driving and we're somewhere in the transition, I think, between missionaries to pastors. So we I'm just not going to brag it's about Jesus, but we're raking it in financially. Like we are top of the Okay, that's supposed to be kind of funny. Like not not really. So we're driving, we're driving the minivan, right? We're in that season of life. Now, I'm that guy or whatever that if we're going to go to this nice neighborhood, it just gives me a good excuse to, to wash the car. I love washing the car. I probably wax the car, too. I just, I love every part of that. It's almost as good as mowing the lawn. It's fantastic. You start, you end. It's awesome, right? So I do all of that. We get there, and we get, and we drop the name. Not drop the name or whatever. We say, we are here with this family. And they say, well, welcome. You're on the list here. Fantastic. Here you go. Do you know how to get here? Etc. And I was like, you know, this is pre-GPS. I probably had to read a Thomas guide, okay? Right? For those of you who remember those, those days. So we get there. Now, once we got there and we joined that family gathering, I did not say to my wife and my kids or to anybody that was there president, I am so glad I earned my way in. I feel, frankly, just so full of achievement that I was able to merit being in this community. I am really somebody now. I'm kind of a big deal, actually, because I'm here. No, I was there for a 4th of July party with my family because the grandkids of an original owner got us into celebrity And that will be exactly what it feels like when I get home someday. Not that I had to give Jesus' name or whatever. It won't be that crass. But I will be there because I will be there in his name. That Jesus got me there. That he welcomed me. That every portion of it was a mercy. That there's no way that a mini van driver like me would ever deserve a room in the Father's house. And yet there I am in his presence. Got a final question for us. 
going to engage. I'm going to welcome the worship team to come back up, and we're gonna, they're going to lead us in worship as we sing and kind of walk this out. Here's the question. What's troubling you? It, it's part of our lives. <laughs> so what's troubling you? And I want to invite you together with one another to bring those things to God to bring those things to the one who, in the midst of his trouble, listens to your trouble, to bring those things to the one who is capable of securing your future and sustaining your present, who lives, who, who listens to every syllable that you pray, every word, who cares for every moment of your actual life and mine. Let's just spend a minute, pray, and then we'll sing back to the Lord. Why don't you join me in prayer? So, Father, we come. With our real lives. trouble isn't exactly the right word, but we have concerns, we have requests, we have people, we have circumstances, we have questions, we have challenges. And so we come to you in humility. Knowing God that we are not the source of our own security or the source of our own strength. Jesus, we thank you that you listen to every syllable. Spirit, we thank you that we have groanings that are too deep for words and so you intercede for us. Father, we thank you for the grace and the mercy that you extend to us through your Son who took on all of our troubles and has overcome them and will get us home. It's in your name, Jesus. We give thanks and we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand and let's worship as we continue.